podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Some of the topics are addiction, fear, faith, self-compassion, relationships, codependency, emotional intelligence, and more. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. In this episode, I talked to Belinda Farrell about finding joy, higher self, soul's purpose, healing, among other related topics. Belinda has overcome major life challenges, the suicide of her son, complete financial loss, and healing a degenerated spine without surgery. By using ancient Hawaiian techniques and accepting responsibility for every aspect of her life, she was able to heal and inspire others. Belinda Farrell is the author of the Find Your Frigging Joy book. She graduated from the University of California and is trained in hypnotherapy, past life regression, NLP, Hawaiian chanting, and ancient Hawaiian healing, Huna. Belinda has also trained with Anthony Robbins. To read Belinda's full biography, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Here is the interview with Belinda Farrell. own words who is belinda farrell oh my goodness who am i not i'm a spirit being having a human experience and growing and learning every single day and a student oh, of wow. the divine um, yeah <laughs> right how would you describe if possible uh, putting to words what the divine is well, everybody has a higher self. It's a part of us that um, we can access if we invite it to come in. It's like, again, if you believe in angels, you have a guardian angel, but nobody will come in and interfere with your free will. You have free will and you have to invite this higher part of you to come in. And when you do that, it can change your physical body. It can change everything. It's just divine. It's divinity. And it doesn't have a body. It sits up at the top of your head. And I have learned through ancient Hawaiian healing that you can breathe deeply in sets of four, like you're filling a glass of water. And that invites this part of you to come in and it just soothes you and brings you peace and harmony. That makes sense. Makes a lot of sense. How do we invite this invisible spiritual force into our lives? Well, again, with the, with the conscious breathing, when you take a deep breath through your nose, it's not the breath through your mouth. It's not the fight or flight breath. It's a breath that consciously you take up through the nose to the top of your head, and then you hold it, and then you breathe out like an exhale, like a ha breath. And if you do that in sets of four, it seems to open up the doorway and invites this higher self to come in. You can do it. I have a CD called Enchantment, and there's a 10-minute exercise in there for you to do this type of breathing and invite the higher self to come into you. 
Mm, I'm doing it as you speak. <laughs> yeah. The exercise. Well, and you can do it in your car. I, I'm programmed that whenever I touch the, the steering wheel of my car, that I take that deep conscious breath. And then it just relaxes you. It puts you in a very relaxed state and you should be relaxed in your car. Right. Yeah. When you're driving. Right. How is it different from med- meditation? Well, again, it leads to a meditative state because meditation is where you quiet the conscious mind and you just are in a, a state of um, accelerated beingness where you're not thinking of anything. So if you'd concentrate on your breath, eventually, you know, you'll go into a hypnotic trance and hopefully go into this meditative state. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. This is one of the practices that I have been engaged in for many years, meditation, which includes breathing too. And one of the things that, uh, yeah, it relaxes the body, the mind, and you have this, uh, it seems like, like you said, we seem to attract positive and peaceful thoughts. But then what I realized is that, that I, that became a habit. I was really becoming almost obsessed with the idea of meditating meditation because it was making me feel good and there was also escape from reality how do we know the difference between uh, methods that are becoming almost like an addiction in a way to the feel good sensation well if you can get yourself to feel good meditating well, there's nothing wrong with that i mean that's just putting you in in this world and being able to address the challenges that you face in this world with a more calm, with a calmness, you know, and so you make better choices. So I don't look at that as an addiction. I, I love to feel happy and joyful. And when I'm in the present time, when I've let go of my expectations of the past or my interpretations of the past, then you're you're in the present time and you're, wow, I mean, you're there right now and you're happy. I don't look at that as an, as an addiction. The addiction is, you know, running away from the problems, pretending that they're not there. Right. That's delusion, right? Yeah. And the ego is really great at trying to, you know, manage these problems, but you just stuff them down and they're still there and they weave their ugly head every once in a while. If you do a cord cutting process, this is what I learned from the Hawaiians, and they never had any mental illness when they were practicing this. Many of them still do. It's called ho'oponopono. It's called to make right, right. And so you just bring up, you close your eyes and you just imagine the event below you that you're upset about or your mother and father, or your brother and sister, or your teacher, or your husband, or your lover, you put them all down below you and make them very, very tiny. And then you breathe down on them, because you're going to notice that you're connected to them through some cords. It's like an emotional freeway that you've invested in, and they're tied to you, because you have an emotional investment in that. And so when you breathe down on that, and then you say the words, and you're saying these words between you and your higher self, you're saying, I'm sorry, I love you, I forgive you, thank you. That's that's all you're saying. I love you, I forgive you, thank you. And then you take a cutting instrument, like a knife, scissors. (laughs) Many cases, some have to get a chainsaw out. (laughs) and you you spin that around you and all those people and those things just float away you've cut the way you're looking at that person or that place or that thing and then you just tuck the leftover cords back inside yourself and what happens is that person or that thing joins you at a higher level to deal with whatever issues that you're dealing with and it doesn't take long it's just a very short short process. I do it every night. The Hawaiians did it every night at sunset. They'd gather around the ocean and when the sun went down, all their angst would go into the water and they would begin again. But that's interesting the way, yeah, I 
I hear what you're saying about the methods that we use to release trapped emotions. And in a way, the way you said it's so true, they are addictive. So that's why they keep coming back and you experience them and then you don't know what to do. You just said something interesting. So they used to do it, the Hawaiians, they used to do it every day and you do it every night, which means like it's almost like something that is an awareness that um, those emotions or those parts of us, they need to be paid attention to. They need to be taken care of in a way, like babies. Hmm. There are interpretations. It's how we're interpreting what happened in the past. The more you say things to yourself, like I lost my son over 10 years ago. and He took an overdose of medication and um, he had back problems. He had a failed back surgery and he couldn't get out of the pain and he finally just couldn't take it anymore and he overdosed. So I still talk, you know, it, it still comes up for me, what could I have done? You know, it's a mother's angst. I mean, you just, you, you go through all of these questions. And when I do, I do this Ho'oponopono and I keep erasing my interpretation of how I thought that should have happened or it should have played out. And so as I do that, I keep healing over what happened. And I guess acceptance finally comes in because there's nothing you can do about what happened. The only thing you can do is change the way you're looking at it. That's so true. One of the things that I have learned, I think that this is the deepest I can go with this whole concept idea of existence, because I have been always questioning, like, what is this? Like, what is life all about? Finally, I understood that it's very similar to a dream. Life is happening for no reason, really. And uh, we have no real control. The final thing that I really got to understand deeper, it's acceptance, just accepting life the way it is exactly yourself, the way you are with all the pain, whatever, it's still trapped. I like the idea of methods, but I don't attach myself to them. These days, I try to just to understand life for what is and just accept it. And that doesn't mean that we have to agree, that I agree, that I love everything that happens, obviously not. But there's this peace that comes from deeper understanding and acceptance of what is. Absolutely. It's a forgiveness. I mean, that, that's what forgiveness is about. I remember this one quote it says, forgiveness is the fragrance that the violet sheds on the heel that has just crushed it. Think about it. <laughs> this heel, all it has is love. All it has is forgiveness. So that's all it can give. Right. That's that's right. I was thinking about because I live close to the ocean. I have been living close to the ocean for many years and I love nature, especially the ocean. Yes, me too. <laughs> right. And then I see something about the oceans like it's beautiful every single day to me. It doesn't matter even when there's a storm and it's really like wild and it's still beautiful. And I know the ocean's not trying to look beautiful for anyone or for us, it's just the oceans being the ocean. Every day is different. Every wave is completely different, although it looks the same, but it's not. It just is. It's beautiful the way it is. Like we have no really reason not to accept ourselves and find that beauty and that love that you just spoke of, like unconditional love within ourselves for ourselves, right? Like the ocean, right? The ocean mirrors our emotions. So someday they're volatile, someday they're calm, but they're, it's just a, a mirror to the, to the ocean that is inside of us. Right, right. And that's so amazing. That's what I've tried to really like uh, understand deeper, even if possible. We should embrace even the imperfections, the, uh, the emotions that are not, they're negative. They're, sometimes they're horrible and, they, and it looks like a storm, right? We have a storm within, but it's fine. It's okay. It will be okay again. And it's just, uh, it's passing. Everything comes and goes. Everything comes and goes. That's right. <laughs> the love that you speak of, I don't think that comes and goes. I think that's what it's the foundation of everything, of life itself, the existence and the non-existent us, if there is, which I, I believe there's such a thing. You call it the higher self. Some people call it the Holy Spirit, the void, the... But it's just the higher part of us. We have a choice of bringing that in or, or not. Yeah, right. 
Hmm, the higher self. Yeah, I have a question for you. You spoke about love, and I went on and on and on here um, about the ocean and love. <laughs> what is love to you? How would you describe it? It's all around. It's everything. My hummingbirds in front of my kitchen window sucking the nectar that I feed them. It's a baby's cry. It's a dog, a puppy. It's, it's everything. Right. Everything. I love that. Yeah, in the way you introduce yourself, what is not, right? What what am I not? Right. I am everything. That's it. Um I had a few other questions. Yeah, one is about God. Who is God to you? And um why so many people they um they have this need in a way to believe in a God, in a personal God, a God outside of themselves or something outside of themselves? I see God in so many things in nature. I'm also crazy about nature, and I live by the ocean itself, a mile away from the ocean. And I swim with wild spinner dolphins in Hawaii. And I once you've swum with these beings, they're like ETs, extraterrestrials. It's like swimming with some kind of higher being, if you want to call them God. I don't really use that term very much. I just, I see in nature and in these dolphins and whales, I've swum with the whales as well. And it's just, again, an acceptance of everything that is and that you're just like a speck on this planet. And it's just bursting forth with light and information. And you just lose the personality. You lose who you think you are and you become one with that being with that tree, with that plant. I just recently came back from Dominher, which is a spiritual community in Turin, near Turin, Italy. And each one of these people in that community have their own tree. And you, they talk to this tree and you can hear the music that comes from this tree. It's just, it's amazing. I mean, we're all, you know, we're, we're walking among these plants and they're communicating with us if we'd only tune in, you know, and hear it. And that to me is God in everything. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know if I answered that question. Yeah, you, you did. Yeah, that's that makes so much sense to me. Uh, God and whatever we call it spiritual, it's everything and everyone. There's nothing that's not, like you said. Yeah, it's not religion. It's not no. religion. I do not belong or adhere to any kind of religion because that creates separateness. And I believe that we're all connected. We're all the same human beings, whether we're the color or whatever we choose to believe in. We're still this amazing humankind having this human experience. I think it's called kindergarten down here. We come here to learn how to love more, how to give more, you know, how to be more. Yeah, I guess one of the things that I kind of think about, like when you said uh, spiritual places um, and trees and certain things, dolphins. One of the things I try to understand, why do we separate in that sense too, that some things are more spiritual than others, which I understand that because I love the ocean and I feel there's something that I can connect deeper with by looking at the ocean, by being in the ocean. But I don't see any difference between the ocean and, let's say, Donald Trump, which would be really like... It's a stretch. <laughs> it's a stretch. A stretch. <laughs> <laughs> but, but that's really when we come to understand that everything is God, everything is spiritual, everything is the experience of that force just embodied in, in different forms, just very unique, but it's, it is it. There's nothing that's not. And that's when we can see God and this higher level of whatever we call a higher self, higher spirituality and everything. Oh, the ocean and Donald Trump, both. <laughs> well, he's he's struggling, you know, he's struggling. And I think our country is struggling with some type of cleansing. Mm. And you can't see there is no darkness. It's just where the light hasn't shined on that darkness. It's creating people to examine themselves at a much deeper level. I think everything is perfect. Right. You know, it's right. in perfect harmony and there'll be some kind of result as a result of his 
presidency. I don't know what, but, you know, again, I'm not here to judge. It's I'm here to observe and just see what good can come can come from it. Yeah, it's I interviewed somebody recently. She talked on and on about him. She says spiritually. She's a healer, too. And she talks, we talked about unconditional love, and that's why she brought him in, and we were talking on and on. She could see God in him, the beauty in him and everything, and it resonated. I felt like she was, that's the, the truth. Life simply is. There's nothing that's not. And um, But it's hard to see, like you said, cleansing. I think um, if we are looking to perhaps feel good and be healthy and um, we're looking for that kind of peace that um, we're just left alone in this, I don't know, the beautiful place that having all these nice people around us, it's almost like a paradise kind of, kind of idea. If we are looking for that, then it will be really hard to see the depth of life, the truth that everything is. There's nothing that's not God, not spiritual. Yeah, if we are looking for that, and that comes from uh, the egotistic mind, that now we are searching for things to satiate um, our um, personal kind of experience in the in human body and mind, trying to find comfort. Not that I'm, I think that there's nothing wrong with being comfort. I'm very comfortable with my life and with the things that I do, uh, and I think I attract that, but I could be okay either way. Well, you just have to let allow yourself to um, see the signs of where you're being guided. Mm, what, right. what is fulfilling you? What What is your sole purpose here? And that's what got me to write my book. I had um, an experience with having my reconnection done, which is a two-day process, and it ties you into an axiotonal system out into the universe. It's like once we were connected to the grids of the earth and everything was connected and then we got disconnected. So now we're trying to find our way back. And what happened to me is that I got accelerated onto my soul path and I was told I was going to write this book. And I'm not a very disciplined person to write a book. You must be disciplined. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) But after I was told that I was going to write this book... Mm -hmm. I said, okay, you know, show me how I'm, I'm at your service. And so three years, that's what it took me. And I was disciplined. I, I don't know what got into me, but I certainly was grateful. And that's how the book became birthed. Before I ask you my first question about the book you wrote about cleansing the soul and reaching the higher self, you mentioned the soul's purpose. In a way, I feel like the soul um, needs certain experiences, dark experiences. Oh, yeah. You have to get through the fear. There's a lot of fear that's blocking you from experiencing your soul purpose. Yeah, it's not that interesting, right? I got a divorce when I was 40, and I started firewalking with Tony Robbins. And he oh, yeah, right. gives you um, a means of overcoming fear of walking on 2,000 degrees of hot coals. And I did it 18 times. I was with him for five years. I was part of the staff. What it did was become a metaphor for my life because I thought if I can walk successfully, and I burned once, if I can walk successfully on hot coals, what else can I do in my life that I thought I couldn't do? And what came up is that I wanted to drive a race car. (laughs) And I don't know where that came from, but Tony teaches you if you say you can't, you must. And if you must, you will. So I thought, I can't drive a race car, but I must. So then I called the racetrack that was near my home, and I signed up for the Grand Prix road racing course, scared to death, didn't know how to drive a stick shift. And I got there, and it was four days, and I found out I had some talent, and they hired me to drive for Buick and Cadillac in New York. So my stunt driving career began, and I was a stunt driver for almost 10 years. That is amazing. It, that's, you didn't know anything about that before, right? Previous uh, years. Nothing. Scared to death. Scared to <laughs> wow, death. <that's... laughs> so I'm just saying, when you hear a little voice inside of you in, in your gut that says, do this, and then you go, oh, I can't do that. Don't listen to it. Don't listen to it. Because it could lead to a career that is definitely on your bucket list. 
Right. That is so. So how do we know the difference, like what thoughts to give uh, attention to, to listen to it? Well, it's not. I, it's just something that comes up that feels true. And then you just kind of block it because of fear, you know, because you think you can't do it. It had nothing to do with power. It just, I wanted to drive a race car, that's all. And when I was a little girl, I used to love wheels. You know, I'd set up bicycles like Evil Knievel and ramps and try to jump over the ramp. And, you know, I did some daredevilish things. (laughs) (laughs) But then I got squashed, you know, by my my parents, my, my mother, especially, who said, you know, be careful. You can't do that. You can't do that. It was always, you can't do that you can't do that. And so you think you can't do that. And then you have to just overcome the can't and say, I must do this. I must. I was deathly afraid of water. Deathly afraid. I was even ashamed to tell Tony Robbins that I was afraid of water. (laughs) And then when I'm in Hawaii getting my master's certification in hypnosis, I'm realizing that the island is surrounded by water. I've got to get into the water. And then I have these these dreams of dolphins and whales, and they're teaching me how to swim. And then I wake up and I have this urgency that I want to be with them, but I have to overcome my fear of the water. So I eventually did. I've been taking people to swim with the wild dolphins for 25 years. So I had to overcome that fear. It was a huge fear my whole life. I didn't know how to swim. I hated the water. I couldn't, I wouldn't go near it. And now the water, but that's in Hawaii, not here. (laughs) It's warm, it's warm, it's inviting. And, you know, that's where I swim with the dolphins. I'm wondering here if what we call soul, the soul's purpose, it's actually our uh, ancestors' uh, desires or... Well, because again, yeah, it, it, it mirrors your emotions. So you are... You are getting into the emotional body and healing that part of you that had fears or had apprehensions, and you're feeling one with the harmony of of everything, of nature. Yeah, it can be felt uh, within the body, like really the core of the, the, in my case, is more the stomach and the heart and are you a water sign? What is your birthday? Oh, yes, I think. Uh, I don't believe on those things. So I don't really write, read them, but I am Aquarius. Uh, oh, no, you're air. That's oh, that's air. air. It's not, it's not, yeah, that's interesting, right? It's not a water sign. No, you're an air sign. Yeah. So I, th- that's why sometimes I think I'm just trying to be scientific with my own self, like self-study. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you have to heal. My back was so compromised when I collapsed with herniated discs. I couldn't stand, I couldn't walk, I couldn't sit, and I had no insurance. The doctors were telling me that I was I was never going to walk again unless I had surgery. And I had to just practice what I had learned in Hawaii by letting go of the negative thought forms that were in the past, that I would breathe, breathe into my body, and then memories would come up. And it was amazing stuff that I had never dreamed about were buried in the body. Mm, right, right. And, and I had to let them go. I talk about that in the book. And then when you do that, the pipeline between the unconscious mind that runs your body and your higher self becomes clear. And the unconscious mind is the one who's in charge of all of your emotions. So I would start thinking, wow, it would be great to climb trees. And I'd get all excited about that emotion of climbing trees. And the unconscious mind would get excited too and would send that thought form up the pipeline to the higher self. And so that's, and then the higher self came in and healed my back completely. That's wonderful. Wow. Um I would love to do, I have been doing experiments with exact, with techniques like that. I think there's one technique called, I'm not sure, have you tried a tapping technique? I think it's called the E, um, some, yeah, EMF, yeah, emotional, emotional freedom, something emotional freedom. That I heard is a very good technique. It, it might be different for everyone, like in my case, I love dancing and that, that releases a lot of the uh, emotions, anything that working out, doing something with the body. Dancing is great. Working out 
Yeah, I love dancing, listening to music. Yeah. Dancing, yes. Oh, yes. Yeah, so I think we all have different techniques, right? Do you Have you found, I know you found, it seemed like you found one that uh, was effective for you. Well, the cord cutting is not a technique. It's just, again, a releasing of your interpretations to the event and the person that you had that connection with. So that's all you're doing is you're, you're cutting a cord that connected you with that interpretation. What happens is the energy gets neutralized, but it gets released and it goes into this void. And so you, the void is filled with light and you just feel so good. So in a way you're using the thoughts and the body, activating both. Well, it affects the body. It affects the body because you're releasing the thought that connected you with that problem. Right. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. It, you, in other words, you're cleaning on the inside. I like the way you say that you call it cleansing the soul. And you also mentioned in your book, what is the plaque of the soul? So that's a, a question. And that's the stuff that causes decay. When we go to the dentist, they'll say, you have too much plaque on your teeth. Right. You haven't, right. You haven't cleaned it off. So you're really cleaning the plaque off your soul. So you don't even have to know what it is. You just have to say, I'm sorry. I forgive you. I love you. Thank you. And that's the neutralizing effect of cleaning the plaque off your soul. Is that what you call um, reconnective healing? No, this is Ho'oponopono. It's a Hawaiian um, practice. And it used to be done just with people's families. With fa- Within the family, they would heal themselves of any anger. Like my teacher had a huge family, about 12 in the family. And one brother was found murdered. And his his body was face down in the water when they pulled him out. And the first thing the the mother did was gather all the children around and do the Ho'oponopono so they wouldn't have any resentment and anger about the killing. They didn't want to get um, bittered, embittered about it. And so the first thing they did was the Ho'oponopono. Wow, because um, they knew that those by experiencing those emotions, automatically they would be stored in the body. Yeah, exactly. And it never, you know, it's like, I can't remember Nelson Mandela who said, if you get angry, it's not like you hurt the other person. It's like swallowing poison and expecting your enemy to die. Yeah, so true. That is so true. And a lot of times we just, we know we are conscious about this wisdom, but we don't know how to uh, put into practice dealing with negative experiences in a different way. Well, you're forgiving yourself is what you're doing. It's a, self for, it's a self-forgiveness process. Um, talk to me about the reconnective healing. Well, reconnective healing was given to a Dr. Eric Pearl. This was about 20 years ago. And he was seated with these frequencies of light and information. And you don't touch the client. You just feel, find, and stretch frequencies that are around him or her and they go in and find out the deepest place of your healing you you really don't know anything about them when I went to my first reconnective healing session my son had died I was filled with grief but the practitioner didn't know anything about that nothing but after the session my grief was lifted and it was as though I the light and the joy came back to me and I thought, how could she have known this? How could it, it just happened? And that's what happens when you do a session. I, I choose not to know anything about the person. And then they get the most they can from mentally, emotionally, physically, or spiritually. They'll get a healing in that area. It's again, it's, it comes from higher consciousness. Our time is expanding. I mean, we're just it's going faster and faster. So is our capacity to receive light and information from the planets, from the universe, from frequencies that are all around us. We're tuning in to these higher frequencies. And that's what reconnective healing is about. It's about allowing you to tune into that and lift off some of the density that, that was preventing you from receiving it. 
I'm not sure if we already talked about and you already uh, disclosed the information, which um, my audience and me would love to to know the about the missing links from the ancient Hawaiian teachings. You also call them the great secret teachings. Well, that's the Ho'oponopono. That's one of the greatest secrets is this method of self-forgiveness by cutting cords and allowing light to come and fill that dark spot that you've had inside. When I started doing the Ho'oponopono, I started feeling better and I did it every day. I've been doing it every day for 25 years. <laughs> wow. Every day. That's incredible. Yeah, but it doesn't take long. It, it takes a couple minutes, if that, sometimes seconds. You can be riding your bike and all of a sudden uh, some type of memory will come up and all you have to do is imagine that it's down below you and you breathe on it and just say, I'm sorry, I love you. I forgive you. Thank you. Sometimes you don't even have to know why you're sad or why you're angry. It's just this thought comes up and you just cleanse it. You neutralize it. It's like zapping it, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's, um, hmm, I like that, Belinda. I have heard about it. I didn't know that that was the name. That was the, actually an ancient Hawaiian teaching. I did know. But I heard about it, and I think I did it for about a month, and I felt, yeah, the effects of it. But because I try not to hold on to methods, I try to kind of let the body and life to just speak to me and um, and be as aware as possible, just I see what's uh, what it's trying to say. Well, imagine that you're brushing your teeth and you only brushed it for a month, and then you decided, I'm not going to brush anymore. Just gonna let, just gonna let, you know, time take take its place, and whatever happens will happen. That's the same thing. the The cords will accumulate inside your body, and more plaque will accumulate. Oh, that makes sense. Okay, that makes sense to me now. Um, it's an inner cleaning. Yeah, I I guess because one of the methods, quotes and quotes, that I followed for many years too, and I I let's say something that I practice, meditation that had to do with the Zen Buddha, Buddhist philosophy. So it's very straight. Uh, there's nothing that's not spiritual. You are perfect as you are. This trying to become clean, what we are doing is acknowledging the opposite, that we have something in us that's dirty, that's not right, that has to be cleansed or has to be blocked or has to be removed. And, and this is one of the things that I try to practice. Well, understand, it's not even a practice, it's understanding that there's nothing really that needs to be cleansed. Everything is perfect as it is. It's not that we need to do anything. Well, if you, if you feel light, if you feel happy, if you feel joyful, then you're right. You know, you're, you're in exactly where you need to be. Yeah, but even the Zen monks, they practice every day. <laughs> they meditate every single day. Spiritual practice is really essential. You've got to have some kind of discipline to get back to the present time because the world will take you, you know, to different places that's not healthy. I mean, we're bombarded unless you live in a cave and be like a Buddhist monk. But most of us live out in the world. You know, I go to movies. I love movies. You know, I was an actress for 20 years. I love, you know, all that stuff. It kind of grounds me. If I fly too out, too far out into the stratosphere, I have the movies to bring me back. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Still, yeah, to the body, right? To the human body experience, right? <laughs> That's cute. Yeah. Um, I don't like the idea of trying too hard to clean something because that implies that there's something that needs to be cleaned. Now you acknowledge the opposites, which is, is the relative world anyway. We can really not do things, right? Like I have to clean the dishes, like you just mm -hmm. uh, made that connection with the, the teeth. You know, I, I need to brush my teeth every single day or I'll have problems, health problems. True. And then you're saying that the same thing with emotions, with the taking care of the soul. So we are always bright and, and, and joyful. Yes, I absolutely agree. I 100% agree with that. I heard recently, 
I forgot his name now. I wish I could mention that. He said something really beautiful. I never heard it that way before. He said something like, love is the experience of seeing the other, not as the other. We're a mirror. You're a mirror to me. So I see your beauty. What I see in you, I can only see in myself. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I have not experienced it yet. Uh, I think what I experience when I'm in contact with other human beings, especially in person, that the body gets involved, that's that it's just incredibly, that understanding becomes reality. It comes down to this relative reality, the absolute um, truth, let's say. That's when I know for sure, like, wow, that love just comes, the absolute love comes down to the body and earth. But like this talking, uh, like you mentioned earlier, before we recorded, the mind gets involved. And now it's like there's a separation because the mind has a tendency for uh, practical reasons, of course, right? We need we, to navigate the world, the relative world. We should know the difference between heights and what burns us and all this stuff, danger. But that the mind gets in the way too with conversations like this. And then now you're trying to, you're intellectualizing things, conceptualizing and trying to explain things that the body will do a better job at it <laughs> if we were in person. <laughs> well, the mind, the mind and the unconscious, the conscious mind and the unconscious mind, they need to be friends. They need to be buddies so that the mind can cooperate with the unconscious mind who's running the body. And it'll say, you know, I need to do some breathing now. And the, and the conscious mind will say, okay, I'll shut up for a little while. And I'll let you do your breathing. So they need to work together as a team. That's all. Connecting them. This the harmony, right? right. Yeah. Because the unconscious, again, is going to do every single thing that your mind tells it to do. If it gets pissed off or angry, it will release a chemical that bruises your heart muscle immediately. And death in this country is from anger, just heart attacks. People are entrenched in their anger. So you just have to become more conscious of your emotions. And instead of getting really pissed off, maybe you just get a teens annoyed. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Because there's so many things that could get us upset, the violence and ignorance and all that. But um, yeah, not letting that get to us is... It's also yeah, a good way. I think awareness helps. Just being present helps a lot. Yeah. So um, I will be asking you my final questions. Before that, would you like to add anything? Well, I think I never said what my book title was. It's called Find, Find Your Friggin' Joy. People are interested in that, in the ancient Hawaiian healing. Yeah, just find your friggin' joy. That came as a inspiration one morning when I woke up, I said, what am I going to call this book? And I got it, got it from my higher self. Find your friggin' joy, Belinda. Very straight to the point. <laughs> <laughs> There's no going around there. Yeah. <laughs> it makes people laugh and get out of themselves, you know, and laughter is the key to finding joy. I agree. A hundred percent. It's another release, isn't it? It's almost like another um, practice, healing practice. Uh, I love the cover. I love the cover, uh, the flower, the the yellow flower. That's beautiful. Sunflower, right? Yeah. Well, again, that delves right into the depths of your higher self. It, it's reflective of, of the higher part of you. It makes me smile when I looked at it. I was like happy immediately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, who doesn't like that? <laughs> um, so my final questions, the... Um, whatever comes to mind. So it could be quick answers, but if you choose to elaborate, fine too. Is fear the opposite of love, Belinda? Yeah. If it's not love, everything else is fear. Hmm. How do you define success? Hmm. Joy, happiness, doing what you love, just having a wonderful family or, you know, friendships around you. That's success. People who say good things about you when you die, are your children going to say good things about you? <laughs> that's, yeah. that's leading a life worth living, I think. What is to be strong? Hmm. Not allowing fear to overcome your life, to just 
push through any kind of weakness that you have. I'm, so I was a stunt driver, so I had I had to work in a man's world. I'm still kind of dealing with those kind of issues now. The issue that I can do it myself, but I'm trying to elicit more help if somebody offers a hand to me. I I in the past would never take it, but now I do. <laughs> Good. <laughs> <clears throat> That's like allowing others to love you too. Yes. Yeah. Yes. What was the hardest lesson to learn about yourself and life? No, um, loving myself, not having to deserve to get love. I felt like I had to prove that I was worthy to receive love. And that came, it's in my book. And it was a, a memory that came up of my mother throwing this fetus out into the universe and when I finally came out of this um, sweaty dream memory, whatever it was, I approached my mother to find out why was this, why was I a fetus being thrown away? And then she told me that she had taken me to three abortion clinics and I was the result of three failed abortions. And so the fetus understands that as being thrown away. So when I came into this world, I always felt I had to work harder to earn love. And then I went deeper inside and realized that I was truly loved by my spiritual family and the hands of this divinity that reached in and picked me out of the, the debris that where this baby was flying into. It was an amazing experience. And then I started to feel more relaxed. That was the biggest lesson I had to learn, that I didn't have to try hard to be loved, that I was totally loved. And then I finally found the partner of my dreams in, later on in life, and I've been together with him for the last, going on six years now. Like you said before, once we start cleansing, all those trapped emotions and negativity within the body, then everything starts to to happen. Like the inner world becomes brighter, so the outer world, everything. Um, what is another word for healing? Another word for healing? That's a good question. Happy, I think, where you're just you're just happy for no reason at all. You're you're healed. You're <laughs> there's nothing more to heal. You're just Hmm. If you knew you would lose the body soon, I normally don't say die, mm -hmm. what change would you make in your life? I don't think I would make any because I've really done everything that I have. I don't have a great bucket list. <laughs> yeah. Walked on fire. I've been a stunt driver. I worked in Washington. I was Snow White. I was an actress. I mean, I've done a lot of things. And now I'm just really happy to just be, you know, just continue my healing work and um, do some traveling to some places that I haven't been and see if I can help more people. I feel like I'm doing that with the book. Oh, I'm sure. Yes. Yeah. Um, do you believe in life after death? Oh, sure. What kind of life? Oh, I, I think, again, this is kindergarten, that we're down here learning what we need to learn. And then when we finally leave the body, we go to the spiritual world and, you know, graduate, hopefully <laughs> graduate. <laughs> right. Um... How'd you do down there? Well, I'm not so sure. You know, are you ready for the next event? Yeah, no, this is absolutely not the final frontier. What if life was just what's happening now, like the present moment, this moment now? Each moment is just completely new, and this is what existence really is. There's nothing, there's no such a thing as death or a different realm to go to and or come back to. It's, it's what's happening now, uh, however we're experiencing this existence. What if it was just it? Would you be okay with the trip? <laughs> sure. Yeah. I mean, when I go to sleep, I go into a very deep sleep and I travel and do a lot of time traveling. And, you know, again, it's going to be another dream. This is just a dream. So, yeah, we're just going to exchange it for another dream. And it's just total acceptance, you know, not being real attached to the pain or the suffering, but being able to let go 
and see what's around the next corner. Right. They knew every moment, right? Like we, we're knowing every every moment of the of the day, um, every second. Who knows, right? What what is the moment? It's kind of hard to describe what this moment really is. Um, what are three things about life you know for sure? This is my last, last question. <laughs> <laughs> I know I've been with the last forever on <laughs> this list. <laughs> three things that I know for sure that I am who I am and that I'm happy with who I am and that I have no regrets, that everything I did, I did, it got me closer to the next choice. And, um, well, I guess I wish my son was still here, that I could teach him more things. I guess that's my only regret. But then what can I say? I mean, he had his journey, his soul journey, and he had to do what he what he had to do for his own soul purpose. I have a grandson that's just amazing. And my daughter is wonderful. And it has been a wonderful conversation. Indeed. Oh, thank, thank you. you. It's been an honor. Thank you, Valerie, thank for you, inviting Benita. me. <laughs> thank you for being here. Where can we find more information about you, your work, books, service uh, projects? I'm at hunahealing.com, H-U-N-A healing.com. And that tells all about the Huna and the reconnective healing. Uh, I'm not taking people to Hawaii anymore. But I do teach ancient Hawaiian healing. I teach four levels of that, and it explains that on the website. Great. Thank you so much again for your presence. Okay. I'll talk to you soon. Bye for now, Belinda. Aloha. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Belinda Farrow, please visit her website, hunahealing.com huna h-u-n-a healing.com to learn more about this podcast please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast I want to thank the Patreon members Lawrence McGrath Mark Basden Terry Clayton and Aidan Vickrock Thank you again for listening and bye for now.